today. We're glad to have everyone with us, especially those who are listening while we're live, and of course to everyone who listens after the fact. I always announce, uh, David and Brent, that we have a large audience who listens to the show from downloads. Um, they tell us about 38000 a month, but that wow. that's probably a bigger audience than we're going to have live today. <laughs> but uh, but nonetheless, uh, welcome to the show. I have David Rooney with me, who's with Property Records Industry Association, and Brent Jones, who is, I think, every server in the world is aware that Brent is with, uh, I guess I have to call you Esri now. I can't say ESRI. <laughs> I want to make sure I get all those those names done correctly. For those of, for those of who may not know Brent, Brent is a a surveyor. I don't. Do you still claim to be a surveyor, Brent, or do, are you a former surveyor by now? No, I'm, I'm still a surveyor. Okay. Yeah, I, I carry my distinction as well. Uh, although I'm not in the field practicing every day, as one would imagine doing this job. And same with you. Uh, one of the cool things I think for you, or it would would seem to be, I'm, I'm sure it would be in my case if I were in your shoes, you really have a great opportunity to, maybe more so than any of us in surveying, to get a glimpse of how people think about surveying and land and uh, land management and all those kind of things basically all over the world. So that, that's got to be a really cool thing to be involved in, although perhaps tiring. I think you nailed it. It's cool, but it's tiring. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I know when I first started doing this job, I was exhilarated by the idea of being able to travel all across this country and other parts of the world to be part of surveying. And now as I'm approaching my 70th birthday, um, my enthusiasm mentally hasn't waned, but physically it seems to have. <laughs> I don't know if you suffer from that or not. Well, obviously you don't, surf, surf, you don't suffer from being almost 70, but, but you may from your travels. Oh yeah, there's that right before you get on the plane. Okay, got to do it again. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. And David, of course, is involved, as I said, with Property Records Industry Association, and uh, that's an organization that we've had some kind of a relationship for some time, not as much as we had hoped to pursue, and that was mostly on our end for not having done so. But uh, I met with a, a group from from Priya. I don't know, probably 10 or 15 years ago now, to try to find ways to talk with each other and share ideas and that kind of thing. And we just rekindled that uh, a couple of years ago. As a matter of fact, David was going to participate in our spring 2016 meeting. Uh, but similar to this year, we had uh, snowfall about this time of the year. So uh, David wasn't able to make it. And so we we're we're sorry that wasn't wasn't able to happen. But we are really thrilled to be able to continue our relationship and I know our I guess not immediate past president but past president last year Tony Cavell was at your conference just recently and gave a presentation so I hope that all went well. Yeah it was good David. I don't have the travel experience you guys have. I pretty much stick with Florida. Once I joined pre about five years ago it got me out at least twice a year to get around the country and get a little bit more exposure beyond you know the Florida boundaries. So I'm happy to be yep. here, and my main job is to work with the Comptroller's Office in Orange County, Florida, managing primarily the official records, but pretty much uh, all the records that you deal with, including the tax deeds, value does support, records management. Do you, do you have a good, uh, I won't say a good system, but maybe a good participation rate 
from the surveying community and providing data to help support those systems. In Orange County or within? Yeah, yeah well, in Orange County or, or in general for that matter. But Well, I mean, the, the records you record, I mean, ideally these deeds originally, a surveyor puts what the description is on the grounds. They validate it. So we do not record surveys in Florida, so it might probably a little bit less than in some other states. So you don't record the survey plats? Uh, we record the plats, but not okay. the individual surveys. Some, some, I understand some states do actually record the surveys themselves. We do not. Hmm. But plats are definitely recorded, and that's obviously the, the primary map for describing right. property. Right, yeah, so at least there's a, a record document showing the result of the surveyor's work, so... Yes, sir. That's uh, that's that's always a good thing, and I mean, I mean obviously you you do uh, when you say surveys, I assume you mean like subdivisions and that kind of thing. Well, that would be the plats, the individual yeah. survey property surveys. We typically not. We do record uh, right of way maps as well, primarily right. for the state. Yeah, and I don't know, Brent. Brent, you may have a better idea about this on a larger scale in terms of how how much that occurs in terms of the individual surveys, I, I've always thought it would be a good idea to have those things in the records, but a lot of folks on our side of the fence don't want to do that because somehow they think it's going to harm them in terms of somebody else using their work to do a, a new survey or something, but obviously, as you and I have experienced during our careers, finding anything that's helpful when we're trying to do a survey, whether it's on the property or some adjoining property, is very valuable. And I, I don't know where we stand with that exactly in the country in terms of how much of that's going on. I don't know how much you hear about it. Well, I think it varies state to state. You know, some states require surveys to be registered. The uh, But I think one of the rubs comes with surveyors. Unfortunately, we assume liability, you know, till near death, you know. Well, that's true. Plan. You know, so... You know, there's a hesitancy to record everything because you're just exposing yourself to more liability. Yeah, and that's true. And, David, I don't know if you're aware of that, but in in every state, uh, surveyors have liability for their work. And in some states, that liability is limited in in a certain amount of time. Um, the, the, the official names are statutes of repose and statutes of, of limitations. Um, but... In in most in I won't say most states Brent may know more than this but in a lot of states and certainly my home state of Virginia you know I have liability till I die and beyond um, and so even though I'm not practicing full time I still have to carry my liability insurance because you never know what's gonna what someone could claim right or wrong and you might have to defend yourself so that Brent statement makes makes a lot of sense that the more of your work that's out there that people can easily find, I guess, more likely somebody would say, well, gee, I have a problem with that. So it, it does cause a uh, an issue. Although that having that information available when we're doing surveys, Brent, would be helpful to us. Absolutely, sure would be. It would be nice to have the information and not not hold anybody accountable, you know. But the uh, especially in states like Virginia and New England where the records go back so far right. and, and land is so old. Right. In in the PREA group, um, do you all have conversations about that piece of it at all, David, in terms of pieces of information that would be nice to have, but you don't? 
It's come up in the conversation of, we talk about the accuracy of the land records, um, a deed of this push for the, with integrating GIS and land records is dependent on the parcel number, and it needs to be an accurate parcel number, otherwise you're not going to be able to map it. So how does that number, who validates that number? Uh, surveyors are, in, I guess, in my mind, the, the initial step that you survey a piece of land goes to the par property appraiser, and they will break out that land and assign it a number. And it changes. That's another thing we need to have a sort of a connection with as that parcel changes, gets replatted, uh, gets joined with another property. So I think that's kind of the extent of it. I'm not aware, other than Brent, of any surveyors belonging to Korea. You know, we have them as as guest stars, I guess you would say, like Tony, you know, a couple of weeks ago. and the. But, but generally, I don't think surveyors um, – and. and I'll put a plug in because I think they should be uh, actively involved in the modernization of registries because they're the ones that actually have the hardest work to do their research in the registry. With, with title attorneys, they go back, you know, say 40 years or the, you know, the next transaction after 40 years, and there's a large private sector com uh, businesses built around, you know, managing those abstracts and, and helping title attorneys uh, get their information quickly. Uh, but surveyors, you know, as, as my old professor Earl Epstein would say, you know, they, they have to spend a lot of time in the musty volumes to figure out uh, what actually took place on the ground and, and what the words mean. Yeah, and, and that's so true for us as, as surveyors. It's not simply whatever the latest document was necessarily or whatever might happen to be in the courthouse. Uh, you're right. Many times we just have to keep keep looking till we find something that we can uh, can can work from, and then of course, it's not just that property either. It's everything that's around it. That's absolutely correct. You know, and you know, as David mentioned, you know, we have this this property identification number initiative because the cities and counties uh, and towns in New England they maintain a an accurate record of of what's on that real estate for valuation purposes. And every property has some type of description, but they also have an address. And when we link the, the property ID number, the address, and the legal description together, we kind of have a coherent unit of where that property is and, and what it's represented. And as David also mentioned, those things change. So we have to be able to manage that PIN lineage over time and know what the PIN was at any, any time. Any given space, you know, any given uh, range of time, what was the pin of that property? So that always leads into um, how this all plays out in the overall scheme of things, among between or whatever the, the surveyor and, and the and the citizen, uh, and then everybody else who's involved in the record system, and and we talk about this often, of course, but the you know, the surveyors very cognizant of the fact that uh, everything that's recorded or, or not everything that's recorded and this sort of is backed up by what David was just talking about doesn't necessarily actually represent where property boundaries are or how much acreage there is or you know, those kind of things and that's where we kind of get crossways sometimes when when we're talking with people either uh, within the, the 
county or state offices or just in general with, with the public. Um, we'll talk about that when we come back. We've got about a minute. So before we go, I want to make sure everybody understands we had a great National Surveyors Week last week. Uh, we had our first ever Global Surveyors Day, uh, which was ha- hampered a little bit by the weather here, but still there, there were a group here for a World Bank meeting from around the world and um, had, a, had some people be able to come to that. And we got a recognition letter from the president, which is always a nice thing. And actually, one of our members in South Carolina was honored by their their house there as a surveyor of the year. And um, so that was kind of a cool deal. So we always try our best to do a good job on National Surveyors Week and get the word out. And more and more, I think people are doing that. So we're always proud of the week and proud of the people. So I wanted to be sure we mentioned that today. And um, hopefully we'll get more people involved as, as time goes along. So let's go to our first break. We'll come back and pick up on our conversation from there. Bogside Publishing. For over 38 years, this family-owned New Hampshire business has manufactured the most durable, rain-resistant, and most affordable made-in-the-USA field books for the land surveying and engineering industry. And Bogside Publishing is still doing it today. Demand Bogside Field Books from your supplier or go to bogsidepublishing.com for a list of exclusive Bogside dealers. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. Quick Stakes. Is your answer to staking lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes? Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. and Brent Jones after our first break. And as we were going to break, we were talking about a number of things. I did mention uh, National Surveyors Week, and actually uh, I had made my note also about the whole flat earth thing we talked about earlier. (laughs) I probably shouldn't get into that conversation because I understand that people get upset. But but you were talking about the guy who decided to fly his rocket. I I, I saw the headline (laughs) on that. I didn't hear a lot of... Uh, background on it, Brent. I don't know how much you know about it or not. But I just thought it was kind of interesting. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. The uh, I think he found out what gravity's all about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, he, I hope he didn't hurt himself. I heard he hurt his back a little bit. Was sore at yeah. least. Yeah. And how far was it he went? I think he made a quarter mile. Someone earlier said eighteen hundred feet. So uh-huh. didn't didn't quite get high enough up to see that the that the world is not flat. <laughs> so, so nothing definitive was determined in this experiment, I suppose. 
Just gravity. <laughs> just gra- well, yeah, gravity. Obviously, that's yeah. All of us who've lived long enough and, and look at our skin understand that gravity does play a role. <laughs> no question about that. But we we were talking about the whole the the records thing, and and I, I want to talk about the, you know what the goals are for uh, having records and what have you. But may, maybe David, you can give us a. Uh, ever how many minutes you want to take just to talk about Priya and what it's all about and what its what its what its mission is? All right. Well, Priya is a property records industry association. It's a partnership of business and government. It's a good forum to get together to address the issues of common concern in the world of property records. And uh, the partnership, you asked about surveyors. Um, we we have tried to get together with NSPS as well as. All the organizations you mentioned, the, the title companies, you have ALTA, American Land Title Association, and MISMO, who is the uh, mortgage side of things. They're, you know, Priya works trying to establish a partnership because uh, we all have common interest in you know, the safeguarding the integrity of these public records. So, and so yeah. the, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, they, they do things like uh, developing background papers, best practices, model legislation, technology standards, implementation guides. Um, they started out primarily with a focus on e-recording. Uh, back in the day, it was everything was paper. You had to walk down the courthouse to record a document. Sometimes you had to be first in line to get your, your record recorded first. But this, um, we've been e-recording since I'm relatively new to the business. Only in 2013 did I come from the property appraiser side into the uh, the clerk records of the recording side. So it was already in place, but it's certainly grown. I mean, we're, our jurisdiction here, we're about 70% e-recorded. And it just saves a lot of efforts going down to the courthouse or you know, registry of deeds. So Priya, that was their, their lead. Or, uh, but they've, they've been into topics such as, you know, the Social Security numbers on public record, privacy issues, electronic notarization, uh, disaster recovery, and um, even blockchain and, and GIS, of course. Yeah, and it seems to me that um, for quite some time, access to those records remotely uh, has been around, and it seems as though it's getting better and stronger. Uh, each of you may have some thoughts about that, but I know in talking to my friends who still are, are practicing actively, um, that trek down to the courthouse isn't nearly as... And in a lot of cases, maybe not all, and maybe you guys have more information about that than do I, but just from the surveyor's perspective, being able to access records without making that trip um, is a big plus as well. And I don't know, uh, David, if you or Brandy, the one knows how widespread that is. Maybe it's ubiquitous at this point. I don't know, but I know it, when it, it first started. It's really getting there. You know, it really is. The um, Some places charge and some don't charge. Uh, but this PIN, this uh, Property Identification Parcel ID Number Initiative, is to help facilitate that as well. So, you know, we all have a, you know, in the East we have a grantor grantee index. Some places in the West have a have a tract index, but imagine having a tract index everywhere. So, so you can do your research map based. So surveyors work in maps and spatially, so you can uh, you can access that way. So that's a that's another another reason for this initiative. Here yeah, and, and Florida, oh, go ahead, David. Uh, here in Florida, we pretty much promote um, 
free access to almost every image that's recorded. But many of the jurisdictions have backfiled and digitized all their records. Uh, we go back to the 1840s in Orange County. But there is, becoming involved with pre, I realize that eh, every state's a little bit different. Um, I know California, surprisingly enough, does not even allow you to view images online. So there's a balance of public access and privacy. Uh, where's that balance? Uh, in our mind, it's according to official records. Um, we redact all the PII, social security numbers, credit card information, bank account numbers. We redact that before we put it out there. And there are certain documents that we record that are not allowed to be on the website. Uh, you know, court documents related to uh, probate or family. And uh, that's even, uh, yeah, that's that and, and those, of privacy. Right. Those are the kind of things that people in our industry, our, our profession, wouldn't be stymied by, of course, because... We're not looking for that type of thing, as far as I know. Right. Um, yeah. But but certainly it it would uh, be of interest to uh, to know what is available and what isn't. I, I was a little surprised when I, I think you made the comment about California not allowing viewing at all. That I was surprised as well. <laughs> makes one wonder what the what the logic in that is, other than just from a total privacy perspective, but. I guess it's not total privacy. You can still go there and look at it, right? That's correct. So I don't know, Brent. Are you hearing that kind of thing anywhere else? Well, the the challenge with California also is with Proposition Thirteen, because as you know, with ownership, if you're if ownership doesn't change hands, then taxes are restricted to I think two percent per year. But once ownership changes hands, then it goes, the property value resets to market value. So there, there is a real, um, uh, there's a lot of fraud going on. And there are, actually, there's, I mean, they have large real estate fraud detection units in California to try to detect this. And I don't know if that's related to that um, or not. I will say that I think one thing we see emerging and this is going to help everybody, is AI, artificial intelligence with property records. I saw a demonstration at one of the PREA conferences of using optical character recognition on rasters scanned drawing uh, documents where they could pick out really detailed strings of information. And if you think about the contents of a deed, you have a grantor and a grantee. You can figure that out with AI pretty easily. You have a description. You have a meaning and intending to convey line. And then you have uh, the index. And if you, if you could scan and understand the entire registry and narrow that down with different levels of confidence, you could report out a chain of title, report out the chain of title of a butters. And I don't think we're very far away from that. So it's, it's a pretty exciting time. I, you know, I think most people, when they hear the Registry of Deeds or the, or the clerk's office, it's like, you know, it doesn't sound all that exciting. But when you start thinking about being able to harvest that kind of information automatically uh, in, mach in systems that can learn what you're trying to do, it's really exciting. Yeah, it certainly is. I, and I, I'm sure that information is is as important to other professions as it would be to, to us in surveying, obviously, because so many different people are involved in, in land transactions and, and that type of thing. So I can see where uh, 
a lot of people would have an interest in it. Is is it being driven, Brent, by uh, government itself, or are there outside forces that are all part of that, or what what drives it to to be where it's headed? I think I think what's driving it is the necessity for authoritative information, whether that's the authoritative information from the property record that taxes are based on, the authoritative information from a land survey, or the authoritative information buried in documents in the registry. The we all we all want to make the best decision possible. We want to rely on the real information. I think it's it's driving for that. So there. You can access a lot of information uh, across the country. There are some national parcel maps that private companies have aggregated this data, but it's not the authoritative data. We all want to work with the authoritative data so we can, you know, so we can rely on it as best we can. And there are a lot of private companies looking at, you know, what's the next wave for for property. There's a uh, there was one company that sprung up that was at the last PREA conference, and they're building a transfer system to transfer land globally without a registry and without cash using using blockchain and bitcoin so kind of an interesting leapfrog over our current land administration system and the 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 desire to have that is for the same group of people we're talking about or just for property uh, exchange or or all of the above I think it's the competitive environment of property exchange. The uh, you have to pay a lot of money to transfer property. Uh, the last house I bought, I'm at the closing, and the they wanted fifteen dollars to show that this house was not in the floodplain, or to state it wasn't. I pulled out a map on my phone. I said this property was built in 1983. It wasn't in the floodplain then. It's not in the floodplain now. I'm not paying that fifteen dollars. Well, nobody knew what to do, and of course I ended up paying $15, okay? But but when you look at a closing statement, all those things that have to be filled in there are uh, they're impediments to the, to, the, to the real estate economy. So I think that that's the competitive environment that we're in is trying to uh, – businesses are trying to make that process streamlined and easier to do and more secure. Yeah, I can see. I'm sorry, go ahead. I think Brent hit on something there, make a transaction more secure. There is talk about you know, fraud. Um, in fact, in Orange County, we just started a fraud notification. Actually, it's not a fraud notification. It's a notification service that if there's anything recorded in the official records with a name you register, you'll get notification of it. But that doesn't mean it's necessarily fraudulent. But we as recorders don't... We don't do any really validation of of you know the parcel number or if it's legitimate transaction that these people are entitled to sell their property. If it meets the requirements for recording, we are we have to record it. We're ministerial in nature, so we at least in Orange County in Florida, that's the rule. Other states they have you go through maybe in a, an assessor's office to make sure that the person's entitled to sell. But security right. once you create a system using blockchain um that's the, their argument that it's more secure sure well we're at our second break believe it or not so let's go do that and we'll come back and pick up on this topic and then i want to talk about the white paper that prius put together as well so we'll be back in a couple minutes quick stakes 
is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number. 800-438-0387 or go to quickstake.com that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E dot com and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. Whether cruising the strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Field books. There is a difference, and the difference is made in the USA by family-owned and operated Bogside Publishing in New Hampshire. For over 38 years... The family business has produced the finest, most durable, rain-resistant, and most affordable field books in the land surveying and engineering industry. Demand the best from your supplier, Bogside Publishing Field Books. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. back for our third segment we were just talking about uh, uh, the blockchain situation you were talking about uh, Brent and and David and how that affects different pieces and uh, we were making a comment I guess I was making a comment uh, during the break that uh, one of the things that we aren't doing well we and as a profession and as a organization even is becoming more and more involved in that conversation we as, as Brent well knows, we, we tend to be more reactive than proactive a lot of the time. And so we, we end up trying to defend something rather than trying to be part of whatever's emerging. And you were, you were starting to make a comment about that, Brent, in terms of how important that is. Yeah, if you take a look at, um, you know, back to that comment on uh, the floodplain, the, the the company that certifies that my house is not in a floodplain is not a surveying nor an engineering company. So, the um, when we when we think about these pins, you know, and these these unique identifiers with some type of description and address, should surveyors be involved in that process? You know, if you take a look at uh, the New Jersey, for example, where the surveyors do all the tax mapping. Which is, you know, I think that gets them involved in that situ- in you know, in that environment. If they were, you know, in charge of putting the pins on and keeping the dots connected there, I think that could that could be that could be valuable. Yeah, I, I wonder if that's an absolutely unique situation in New Jersey. I I'd not heard about it anywhere else, but I think it is unique. Yeah. Yeah, and and is that you think? The, the fact that we aren't involved, we as surveyors aren't involved, ha- has as much to do with not being engaged as being left out, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. I worked for a mapping company for for ten years, and we did high accuracy camera based photo- photogrammetric mapping as one of the services. And somebody brought a project to the company that was 
was like a thousand scale mapping, right? Not very accurate stuff, okay, but but pretty good for utility planning. I think that's what the mapping was for. And this is this is it's probably eighteen, twenty years ago. And the, the leadership in the company said, Well, we don't do that work. Well, somebody's gonna do that work and it's whether it's done with traditional technology or what we're comfortable with or with new technology. And if you look at the mapping today, the kind of mapping that we rely on is really pretty low accuracy stuff compared to the to the high end photogrammetry. So, you know, the point being is that if someone doesn't step in to assume this work, someone else it will be done by someone else. And mm-hmm. you know, very very true. And and as we were saying before Oftentimes, a reactive uh, recognition of that fact isn't as productive as a proactive one because when it becomes reactive, it's whether it's intended that way or not. It's it's viewed as being um, too little, too late, or um, you shouldn't be making this you know these these waves, so to speak, and and it just exacerbates the problem. I think. Agreed. By the way, uh, I was talking about listeners earlier, David. I, I did get a, a note from Stevie at Priya um, wanting to make sure that she had the information for uh, Priya, listener, Priya members to be listening today. So we may have a bigger audience today than we're accustomed to. So, uh, right. I, it, and so I, I hope that's the case and that uh, people are getting something from our, from our conversation. Where do you think all that puts us, um, Brent, in the international scope of things and our comparison or contrast with what's going on everywhere else? Well, we pretty much have a automated 1850s land record system. So we've, <laughs> we, we've modernized how we search, but we still search for documents that need interpretation by professionals as opposed to um, the government assuming some responsibility for the accuracy and the completeness of those documents. So we have a we have a we have a very mature deeds registration system, uh, but we also have what's different about the United States and than the rest of the developed world anyway is that the the private institutions around that system of title insurance and and title plants and abstracting and, and all those components, the, the real estate professionals, the surveyors, all that all that infrastructure around our real estate economy, that's, that's relatively unique. Um, and the modernization we see taking place in, in the developed world, in New Brunswick, I guess, is, is one of the current examples of this, is they, they migrated from or modernized from a, a deed system into a torrent system where the, uh, when you register your property at a transaction, the, it's a secure transaction, much like much like a car, where the uh, they'll do a lien search on the car, and if it's there's no lien, you get clear title. So, so we're behind, um, but I have to say, you know, even though we're behind in in that legal aspect, our system is very robust, and there is a lot of real estate transfer. Uh, the one challenge I see coming up is that with millennials buying fewer homes and millennials staying in jobs a much shorter period of time, 
there, there's an impediment to buying a home because the cost of transfer is so high from the from the real estate commission all the way through the title attorney, the title insurance, and all those all those transaction costs. So I I think to to keep at least our residential economy vibrant, improving those processes will certainly help. Yeah, I think that's I think that's very true, um, and that's interesting what you say about the the millennials in terms of that whole job situation and and um, uh, everything associated with it it's it's difficult for us and our generation sometimes to to recognize that and and certainly it's part of our surveying profession even you know where we're we're still thinking the way we think as as older folks <laughs> and the newer generation is thinking completely differently from us even in the way you do things and, and and so what's hopeful about that is that maybe that that synergy that gets created through the next generation lends itself to us being able to find these answers that we haven't been able to or or perhaps even willing to pursue and technology is going to play a fun role i think the you know certainly the the GIS and the spatial technology over the past 20 years has changed drastically and the way we're going to be able to search and index and manage records that's about to have a, a big sea change as well so i think it's an exciting time yeah it definitely is and and i'm sure david those kind of changes in the way things are done within the Within your realm and the, the land records side, you're seeing those those massive changes that are occurring very rapidly, and for hopefully adapting to them maybe better than we do sometimes. Right. Well, primarily the the e-recording has been the biggest change for office. It's much more efficient to process. Uh, need less staff. You don't have to be scanning the documents. You're not mailing back originals. So that's certainly been a big change. When we look about the um, modernizing these the records by how we index them. We touched a little bit about Brent had mentioned artificial intelligence being able to we do OCR all the documents as we scan them it helps us index it. I like to call it indexing assist. There's really nothing auto padded for our particular system. So it's got a ways to go before we can just automatically expect the update. There's another area too that that uh, we might want to touch on for surveyors specifically and that's a electronic lodgement or electronic recording of plats. The uh, this was recently launched in uh, in British Columbia, where a surveyor can submit their AutoCAD drawings, and they go into the cadastral system. And the measurements uh, there's certain standards that you have to follow in the in the DWG, but the measurements, the record measurements that the surveyor has on that plan are, are preserved in the system. And they're not keyed in manually. Yeah, that's that's a big step. We're we're struggling just trying to get it so it can be recorded as an electronic document, which is just a, an image. You're talking about actually going to an actual smart document that actually lays out, added to a, a layer just with the with the file. So we're right, and then go ahead. Yeah, we're just trying to uh, working with the surveyors here in Florida of trying to allow them to have the original needs to be mylar according to statute right now. So it really we're trying to get so it can be either mylar or an electronic, as with every other record that we record. So that'll be a that's our first step. So you're absolutely right. I mean, it 
move forward, uh, go through the whole approval process with an electronic file where everybody signs off approving the plot before it finally gets recorded. That's definitely the next step. And it's a big time savings. You know, you have a 100-lot subdivision keying in all those dimensions and without error and making sure everything works to get them into the get them into the GIS properly. That's a fair amount of work. And be able to drag and drop in an AutoCAD drawing is a uh, big, a pretty big time saver. Yeah, I would think, David, the surveyors would be very happy to work in that direction for recording purposes for sure. Some are, some aren't. <laughs> that was a little bit of reluctance. It's uh, it's an old old trade. They've been around for a long time. And as Prince said, our land records, we're kind of um, you know, automated 1850s land records. It's, we're still looking at who's, who the parties are. Uh, we're not, we want to go the next step of defining where is this geographically. We're becoming so spatial now. You take out your, your cell phone when you're at a corner and you want to know where nearest Starbucks or a good place to eat about when you're standing in front of the property and say, I want to know the, the chain of title here. Are there any liens, anything about this property? Just pull it up right down there. And if it looks like there's a bunch of code enforcement liens. Uh, nope, next property. So that's where I'd like to see us go. Where do you think that goes, Brent? And we only got a minute and a half for the break, so we can cover this when we come back. But where do you think that kind of thing goes in terms of uh, what surveyors are primarily interested in, which is the you know accurate accurate location of of the land boundary and what lies within it. It's going to go a lot of places, and this is again is a really exciting time. You know, so you have the individual survey of that property, and then you have how that survey fits into all the adjacent surveys and all the information around it. And imagine being a utility excavator, and you. Put on you. You held up your phone for you know some virtual reality or something, and the property lines showed up, and you knew exactly where to go with your metal detector to find a corner, or the uh, or the ability to see where the utilities are in relationship to the property lines before you actually start digging. I think it's going to it's, it's going in the direction of using the tools that we have in our pockets. It's it's going to everything's happening. Hey, to interrupt, but we're going to have to break for a couple of minutes. Let's pick up on this when we come back though cuz this, this is really important for us in the surveying profession I think to to understand. So we we'll be we'll be right back. Bogside Publishing for over 38 years, this family-owned New Hampshire business has manufactured the most durable, rain-resistant, and most affordable made-in-the-USA field books for the land surveying and engineering industry. And Bogside Publishing is still doing it today. Demand Bogside Field Books from your supplier or go to bogsidepublishing.com for a list of exclusive Bogside dealers. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 
888-253-0387 or go to quickstake.com. That's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. Field books. There is a difference, and the difference is made in the USA by family-owned and operated Bogside Publishing in New Hampshire. For over 38 years, the family business has produced the finest, most durable, rain-resistant, and most affordable field books in the land surveying and engineering industry. Demand the best from your supplier, Bogside Publishing Field Books. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. We're back with our last segment today with David Rooney and, and Brett Jones. Uh, been a great conversation so far, and I want to be sure we get to uh, the, the Priya White paper that we mentioned earlier. But, Brent, as we were going to break, you were talking about the the whole realm of what's what's doable and what's available in terms of using the systems we've been discussing. And I guess the one thing that came to mind when you were talking about being the person on the site and you had the information right there on your hand, your cell phone or whatever in terms of where the property corner is going to be and that type of thing, are there any concerns about verification? I mean, it's it's one thing to have a, a, a coordinate value that was created somehow as with regard to where something is and maybe a whole different thing for its where its actual location is or is intended to be, is, is there any concern about that? Boy, from a surveyor's point of view, there's always concern. I have a coordinate, Correct. and I go out and I, and I find a pin that's a foot away from where I expect it to be. Looks like what was in the the call and the deed. I'm pretty happy with it. Uh, but as a surveyor, we all have those skills to know what to interpret. You know, when you get a coordinate, you know, like if a if a surveyor hands you a coordinate, you treat it very differently than something that's just generated out of a mapping system. And I think that's another area where surveyors can take, can play a role in how do we continue to improve the quality of data in these systems because we can't, we just can't go remap everything. We have to build workflows that incrementally improve the quality of data over time. But there's always a concern. You know, and that's why surveyors carry liability, and that's why there's, I don't know how many thousands of utility strikes there are, you know, every year. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's really kind of where I was leading from the very part, beginning of this was that engagement that, that is incumbent upon us, I think, in the serving profession to actually be part of that process rather than just sometimes complain about it. You know, and you know, and you know, you mentioned we discussed a little bit about the uh, you know the, the maturity of our systems in in the U.S. versus the you know Western Europe and some other parts of the world. The those communities, um, and we're seeing it beginning to happen here. The the surveyors and the GIS people and the legal professions, you know, coming closer together and carrying on conversations and not not just working in our silos, but you know, no no knowing who's who and which organization and who to call and what to do. So we're, we're moving in the right direction. We're just moving rather slowly. Yeah, I agree. And that, that's really what this uh, inter-association or organization uh, outreach is all about, I think. Um, and that's why I'm happy to see us become more involved with, with our friends over at PRIA and other organizations, because you're right, it is, is really critical. And uh, going back to PRIA, David, early in our conversation, there was some mention of, of the white paper that you guys put together. Uh, maybe you and Brent can talk a bit about that. 
Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, especially since we've been working on this for about two years. <laughs> Brent's been on. There's a PRIA puts together uh, committees, and uh, they put in for a work project to get approved. And one thing we looked at as an organization is just kind of a, a white paper on the integration of GIS and land records. It's not really in depth in any particular topic, but the idea is to give GIS professionals a little bit more insight about land records and um, deed recorders or land records folks, a little bit more of an insight about GIS and how they can be integrated to work together and pretty much just modernize visual records. It's getting, as Brent said, getting out of the 1850s and more, you know, a spatial indexing for, for these records. So it's available on uh, PREA's website, uh, www.prea.us. It's available for anybody, members and non-members. At the bottom, it's a GIS and land records integration, a PREA white paper. Now, is that, Brent, under that tab news you mentioned earlier? <laughs> yep, yep, little okay. brown box at the bottom of the page. Okay. And I know that there was some feedback. You guys reached out to us, and uh, and we provided some level of, of feedback. Uh, hopefully it was helpful. It was, most definitely, because you guys are an important partner in the land records. Uh, we had an opportunity in Savannah. We had a conference. Uh, Brent was there it's, uh, with ERISA and the IWO, IWO being the assessing officers. And they had a GIS. That was, their, was it their 20th or 25th, Brent? It was a... I think it was the I think it was the twentieth. Yep. Yeah. So it's an opportunity for us to sort of share and we had joint work sessions to get them involved. And it's this paper really doesn't have any value unless you have all the all the partners at least reading it and giving some input. And we did make some changes based on the uh, the surveyors' input. And hopefully, it's a, a value document at a, at a fairly high level. Uh, we hope that's Brent. To, we had another work project we're working on now, kind of surveying all the different jurisdictions of trying to figure out, you know, who, who does require a parcel number or at least gives the, each jurisdiction the option to ask for it. Um, one thing I learned from Priya is that every jurisdiction is a little bit different, and often states are quite a bit different. And it's nice to uh, it's advantage of Priya to sort of expand your horizons. I'm used to dealing with Florida and I kind of thought that was the world, but realize it's definitely not. So is integrating that, and, and either one of you can, can answer this question. I'm just curious about your perspective at this point on uh, are we moving in the direction where we can have more uniform data and more uniform uh, processes for finding and utilizing that data across state lines and across the country, or does it seem as though we're always kind of going to be caught and we'll know this is the way we do it? Well, it seems like it's state by state, but as you as you get the different members, uh, different jurisdictions gathering together and they're seeing what can be done and what's the best way of doing things, they can bring that back to their state and try to initiate change to sort of head towards a more uniform way. I don't think there'll ever be a time when we have, say, a universal parcel number throughout the, the country. And I don't really know if it's even necessary. Um, you're not, as long as you can have a number that you can tie to a map, and most maps are can be done at a local level anyway, at least for the tax maps. So, And Brent, you were talking earlier about data that's available oftentimes even through national entities, I know people like FEMA or, or, or whomever. Um, is, is there some 
interaction going on uh, with those entities to become part of this process that we're talking about here and sharing data and and making it more uniform? Well, it's relate, directly related to this process. I get a call, you know, at least twice a year um, when there's a disaster. Uh, there was a member that the oil spill or the chemical spill in West Virginia, I got a call and said, I need a parcel map for West Virginia. <laughs> like, well, first off, that doesn't exist. And how about a parcel map for these counties? I'm like, well, you know, that doesn't exist either. Um, because we work in, you know, there are 6,700 parcel mapping jurisdictions, and there are, I think it's 13,000 real estate valuation jurisdictions in the country. So we have we have a lot of silos here to to to, to integrate if we were to think on a national basis. But fortunately, technology has provided us some tools where we can work the way we work, share our data, and kind of translate that data, translate that on the fly without actually uploading and copying. So we can publish a web service, which is kind of like a dial tone of your data that people can connect to, and they can look at your data, and they can translate that into, you know, maybe I call it an APN, the assessor's parcel number, and not the the PIN. Well, I can translate that know that uh, that nomenclature into my system and I can aggregate uh, very quickly so the uh, we're not really moving towards a lot of standardization although you know what Priya does and what IWAO does with developing these standards is very important uh, we, we're working in the direction very slowly but technology has allowed us to aggregate and share information without actually conforming to a specific standard and that's relatively new. That's in the last five years. So it's more of a way to, um, for lack of a better analogy, speak more than one language and be able to utilize information coming from a different source but have an understanding of how it fits into your terminology and your processes? Absolutely. Yep. And states are doing this now with tax records. They're aggregating tax records from all the different taxing jurisdictions, and they're looking at those. Uh, they're not requiring everybody to change their data. They're aggregating it and changing it during the aggregation process through these, these web services translation tools. And are those available um, to the general public for people to be part uh, in the use, or is it strictly between governmental entities uh, where they can share the information? Uh, no, the, uh, they're available to everyone. And as, as Jack Dangerman said, you know, when this kind, of, this kind of technology five or six years ago started to take off, he used the term, and it's now available for mere mortals. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you don't even have to be really technically strong to, to be able to do a lot of these, these things today. Right. Well, we're uh, a couple minutes away from... Uh, Two and a half minutes, to be exact, from being over the show. So I, I, I hope I didn't leave out something uh, important that either of you wanted to, to discuss or maybe clarify moving ahead or or not. So I want to give you the opportunity to bring that up if if there is something. Well, if I could just go over on the GIS and land records integration white paper, we went into this paper not knowing what the primary key should be. What should we focus on on getting on the documents? Looked at address. Um, there's size address, mailing address. That's the problem. A lot of the addresses are mailing addresses, which doesn't put the document where it needs to be spatially. 
And legal descriptions can be long and drawn out. But a parcel number is pretty, at least uniform within the jurisdiction, and a fairly compact identifier. And it, it's, if we get that indexed into the, the records as either by choice, like we do now in Florida, uh, if it's on the document, we will index it. But until it becomes a requirement that it's on every document, it's never going to be a, a way to search those documents like we can do with a so name. So what would I qualify for? Right. Well, that's that's a certainly a, a, a laudable goal, and, and I would encourage anyone to, to take a look at the white paper. I've had an opportunity to, to go through it myself, and uh, I can't say that I'm smart enough to understand everything, but I've certainly been able to read it and understand the importance of of the document itself and then just the whole collaborative mm -hmm. effort that you guys have both been talking about moving mm -hmm. forward and and hopefully bringing all of us closer together so that we help solve these problems collectively and and I think that lends itself then to us having a better understanding a better appreciation of what each of us is doing so uh, I do appreciate you both being with me today it's been great mm -hmm. to have you on the show and I've wanted to, to do this one for a while I'm glad we were finally able to schedule it so uh, I hope uh, you'll come back and talk with me again sometime, and maybe we'll by then have all the world's problems solved. All right. Well, thanks. Appreciate Kurt and NSPS for the opportunity to discuss PREA's organization and how we can work together for the benefit of everybody who uses the uh, land data. And we're certainly looking forward to that as well. And, of course, always eager to work with you guys too, Brent. Oh, absolutely, Kurt. It's always a pleasure. All right. Well, thank you again both for being with me today, and hopefully we'll have another conversation sometime not too far down the road. All right. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.